Shabbat Shalom. Beloved, let's turn and let's go before the Lord in prayer, if you don't mind. Let's turn and go before the Lord in prayer. Let's turn. Adonai, I stand before your people today in great fear, but in the honor of you. Father, I pray that your word penetrates every corner in their heart and allow them to hear not what I have written today, but what you want them to hear. Father, we confront and expose the lies of the enemy as we break down the bridges that connect us to our past and rebuild new bridges in our life that will connect us to where we need to go. I pray this in his show's name. Amen. For the sake of uh, our online viewers, and um, well, first I want to thank uh, Rabbi Scott, Rabbi Rene, Rabbi uh, Robertson Judy, Robertson Anna for making me this beautiful topic, and uh, leadership. I want to thank you, the people. And for the uh, viewers online, I want to just give a brief intro as to who I am. I know you guys do know me, but uh, my name is Whitley Lamontine. Um, as you could, as you might have already guessed, Lamontine, French. Uh, I'm from a small island in the Caribbean. It was fought by France and British seven times. Every time the British won, they turned the island to British. Every time France won, they turned it to French. So my last name, La Montagne, the mountain. Um, I'm married to this beautiful young lady over there, Eliana. Um, last February, we celebrated 29 years of marriage. Thank you. Um, I've got five beautiful kids. Basically, really, in a nutshell, that's all there is to me. Just a simple, humble guy. Amen. You know, I'm a truck driver by profession. You know, I'm the type of person that loves to be backstage. Uh, you know, but uh, until seven years ago, um, I lived a dangerous, reckless kind of life. And um, I got to this point in my life where I had no choice but to accept Ishaw, and that in itself is a whole long story. Um, if it's God's will, someday I will share it with you. But then I remember when I first accepted Yeshua into my life, you know, as a new believer, you're on fire for God, you're hot, you, you're on fire. And every day I'd wake up at one o'clock in the morning and I'd go into deep prayer from one o'clock to about six o'clock, six a.m. And I'd start my prayer line by saying, God, use me, use me, Father, use me. I am ready. Use me. Until three months later, I was standing back there and I felt somebody tap my shoulder. I turned around and it's Judy. She said, um, I want you to do Alia. Dan, could you put up that picture of the dog, please? That was me. <laughs> that was me. I turned around and I said, Judy, Ali, who? And she said, Alia. I said, I can't do that. I said, I'm not going up there and standing and speaking in front of these people. She's like, yes, you are. And if you guys know Judy, for months, Judy just kept on and kept on. So I decided to take what I thought was the easy way out. I went back to God in prayer. I said, Lord, come on now. I told you to use me. But that's not what I meant. You know, I meant to give me the strength so that I could wash the dishes after own egg. You know, that's what I meant. But I didn't mean for you to take me and put me in front of the people. 
But you know, God always wins. You know, for some reason, he always has his way. He finds his way. He has a sense of humor, and he always wins. So, today, what I want to do is, um, I want to speak to you about disobedience. And, which I find, again, God has a sense of humor in that when, in the process of preparing me for here, I started thinking, okay, Lord, you know what? I don't have nothing to speak about immediately. Disobedience. So I'm like, Lord, why me? I've been disobedient all my life. Why me? But you know what? Sometimes you are the best person because you have lived it. So before I go into that, I'd like to show you guys a small clip of a video from YouTube, just a five minutes clip. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that out that birthday off, you're gonna break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot no, 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 I'm no, 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 no. You're not listening to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. And you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask grandma. Didn't you? Linda, lick it. Lick it. Lick it. If we do something without if we get close chicken, you can get them. You can burn your butt. Don't you burn your butt. You and Kevin don't listen, so I have to do both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but Ben, but give me pals in your butt. No, he's not. I have to. You want? You don't want me to hit Kevin, or you don't want me to spank you? No. Why? Because in your butt, you want to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. But he's my little papa. He's doing the pop-ups, but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. Why now we can't do anything if we can't get everything out of the rock? We're going to break everything down. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot like have it, cupcakes it, for like dinner. It, Linda, Linda, like this thing, and I'm going to belong to you. Anything, you can get anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm done arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the dog. Look at, listen to me. All the time they get them to, to, to stink, to, to, to stink, but they can't, they can't, they can't, they can't, I'm done arguing with you. Linda, I'm done arguing with you. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Uh, growing up, I couldn't stand up to my mom like this. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, she's about five foot, but I wouldn't be here. <laughs> anyway, uh, beloved, today I want to talk to you about disobedience, but disobedience from a biblical point of view. From the uh, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, there seem to be two defined forms of disobedience. The first one, disobedience can be objective and practical. That is, having a rebellious violation of Torah, meaning you know what you should do, but you deliberately and intentionally choose not to do it. James 4.17, and I quote, Therefore, to whom he knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. The second form of disobedience. Disobedience can be ethical and psychological, meaning 
disobedience through ignorance of or one's mental attitude at the time of disobedience. This simply means disobedience committed unintentionally without realizing we are being disobedient. Leviticus 5.17, and I quote, If a person sins, meaning disobey, and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. End quote. Certainly, we shouldn't believe that disobedience through ignorance should be ignored and it's okay. However, disobedience from rebellion or in the midst of ignorance, either form of disobedience brings about discipline or sin. Like the Israelites, we cannot live a life of willful disobedience and think it is excusable before God. Deuteronomy 5.1, and I quote, And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. End quote. In Genesis, the very first book of the uh, Bible, it clearly states, Adam and Eve disobedience brought severe discipline slash sin to the world. Honestly, I do agree that disobedience is really an attitude of the mind at the time of disobedience. From the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, and I quote, the word disobedience is used in the New Testament and has the general meaning, a lack of regards for authority or leadership. The stronger meaning of actual stubbornness or violence is perhaps conveyed in the Old Testament, end quote. It continues to point out that disobedience is neglecting or refusing to obey, omitting to do what is commanded or doing what is prohibited. Beloved, our obedience matters to God. He sure said, to love me is to obey Torah. You see, Torah is the written word of God, while he sure is the living word of God. It's a package deal. You can't purchase one and not the other. We need to stay in balance. Not because most times our life don't take the path that we hope, or want it to, that disqualifies us to remain being a disobedient people. On the contrary, disobedience leaves us heartbroken or with lots of unanswered questions, which makes absolutely no sense. Too often we allowed our hurt to cause disobedience, thereby blocking our intimacy with God. In Genesis 3, we see the origin of disobedience when Satan comes and lies to Eve about God's word. Eve then engages Satan and this then becomes the beginning of disobedience. In other words, Eve was being disobedient by eating a forbidden fruit. And Adam was disobedient for allowing Eve, his wife, to eat of the forbidden fruit. Beloved, we need to quit blaming Satan for our disobedient behaviors and decisions. Instead, let's take full responsibilities for our actions. Like Adam, when God called on him and asked, Adam, why have you disobeyed me? He replied, and I quote, Genesis 3.12, the woman whom you gave to me, whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. What a wimp. <laughs> Adam, you was right there while Satan was deceiving your wife. 
and you said nothing and did nothing. But instead, you used Satan to justify your disobedience when you got called out by God. Beloved, God does not play favorites. Any form of disobedience is disobedience. The sad reality is, today, we are truly living in a world where God has been vacuumed out. And we are totally consumed by disobedience. We have rejected Torah and replaced it with lies. As a result, we are hopelessly spinning around because we have removed our God-given foundation. We are so quick to break down the wall without, without even asking, why was the wall put there to begin with? Just like we took Torah out of schools, and now we wonder why this generation has gone way left. You see, Torah was meant for our transformation, our foundation, and our guide. Yet we took it off. For such reasons, I believe this generation has no goals. And it is just living a life of existence. And we as believers say to them, it's okay. How can it be? Do we realize if we don't set goals for ourselves and give our mind instructions, Satan will gladly set goals for us? You see, what's happening in our mental world is a false reality of the truth. We have lost the revelation of the Bible in our daily life. We need to put all of our daily issues back into biblical perspective and stop relying on outside sources such as our politicians to fix our brokenness. For example, listening to the media lately, we hear stories upon stories as to where our man has lost the fear of God and enjoy living a disobedient life of adultery, fornication, pornography, and as if that wasn't enough, we have refined God's plan of marriage, of one man and one woman in unity as one. Instead, we have replaced it with homosexuality and to lie to our sons that your both gender is not really your gender. Really? Yes, it is. Gender is not a feeling. You don't just wake up and say, oh, I feel like a girl today. No. God created man and woman. Male and female. For if it's God's plan for you as a woman, he would have created you a woman. God knew perfectly what he was doing when he formed you in your mother's womb. Hence the reason in Genesis it clearly states that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Then because God knew there would be such times like this, a time of disobedience, he went on and gave us a clearer understanding by saying, go forth and multiply. There is no multiplying in homosexuality. Remember, God was not thinking of himself when he gave us the Torah. He gave us the Torah to glorify him and to understand his ways of doing things. For that sole reason, God defined marriage before man did. So who do we think we are to redefine marriage? Recently on the news, a certain airline was offering discount flights to passengers who were willing to book the flight on the gender MX. Just like MR is Mr., it's male, MRS or MISS is female, MX is the new way of disclosing yourself as neither male nor female. 
In other words, they have added what they call binary identification or IMEX to God's creation of man and woman. So now you've got male, you've got female, and IMEX. Basically, a full choice of gender. Beloved, this is how the world wants us to think. Yet we as believers refuse to take a stand against such and instead play right along with it and say, it's okay. It's the new generation. Let me tell you this. You reproduce not what you say, but what you are. Meaning, we need to live our life with the principles and values that show he sure in us. And then our sons and our daughters will follow in our footsteps. We as believers need to take a stand and stop compromising God's word at the expense of pleasing this world. We settle into a life of legalism and wanting to be politically correct. Because we fear it's not our place to stand up for what we know is right. Beloved, every one of us have all fallen short of the glory of God at some point in our life. Every one of us. We all do things we shouldn't from time to time. Romans 3, 23, and I quote, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, end quote. And so, God in his goodness sent his only son to die on the cross as payment for our disobedience. John 3.16, a very familiar verse, and I quote, For God so loved the world that he, meaning God, gave his only begotten son, meaning he's sure that whosoever, meaning anyone and everyone, believes in him, meaning God, should not perish but have everlasting life. End quote. Beloved, but that's not all. Unlike the commercials on television, for free, he gave us verse 17. And I quote, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, meaning you and me, but that the world, meaning you and me, shall be saved. Amen. End quote. Beloved, what, do you, what more do you want? God has accepted us just as we are, no matter how disobedient we've been. We simply just have to turn away from our disobedience and surrender to him. Quite honestly, to me, this is the greatest gift I have ever received and will ever receive. The gift of salvation. Given to me, even knowingly, I don't deserve it. But it was given to me and it was given to everyone. Today this world has somehow come to expect that because God is not quick to pass judgment, then it's fine to set our heart to do evil. <coughs> Beloved, let's stop the disobedience. It's sad enough that this world is a darker place. We put so much emphasis into achieving world peace while domestic welfare skyrockets. We spend more time at our jobs and less time at home with our families. We have two breadwinners per households with fancier houses, but higher divorce rates, resulting in countless broken homes. Yes, there sure are the days of putting so much into our show windows, but have an empty stockroom. It's all about our outside appearance, our good looks. 
the facade we portray and the public showing we have falsely put on display before our peers and neighbors. Why? Why? Because we no longer fear God. We have been led, led into believing such lies that God's grace does not time out. So we are okay. His grace doesn't time out. We could keep on. Beloved, it will. And it is called Judgment Day. For this world is not our final destination. We're just passing through. Whether you choose to believe it or not, it's simply irrelevant. For on that day, Scripture says we all have to answer and give an account of our life we have lived here on earth. You may be in charge of your life today, but we are certainly not in charge of the consequences of our life. Because we bring nothing to the equation of Yeshua laying down his life for our disobedience. God in his goodness freely gave us the gift of salvation through the death of his only son. Thereby, all that's required of, all that's required of, of us is to turn away from our sinful ways and accept his sure into our hearts. It's that simple. God will meet us wherever and however we are. Remember, he has no favorites. He has never left us or forsaken us. So let's stop trying to find him. He is the truth, and the truth is always revealed, not found. For if we trust, surrender, and obey him, he will reveal himself to us. Let's stop believing God to speak to us through our rabbi or our pastor. For we all are unique in our own ways, and so God leads us all differently. Stop comparing yourself and looking to others to find yourself. Instead, look to God. I know some of you ladies worry about your biological clock is ticking and you're still single. Or for others, your husband isn't as romantic as Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie Titanic. <laughs> ladies, you need to quit looking at Romeo in Titanic. It's just a movie. However, men, let's not get it twisted. Because we should romance and spoil our wife. But ladies, instead, look to God and ask him to reveal to you the strengths and the beauty in your husband. Then you will realize if you build on his strength, you too will have a Romeo like the movie Titanic. Now husbands, you're not off the hook. Most times when we get home, we check ourselves out. Meaning, we are physically home, but not really. We bring the man cave, aka the garage, or on the sofa, watching sports on television. We believe the lie that providing financial support satisfies our part of, mar of the marriage contract. The truth is, our wife sees providing financial support as just a commitment, not a fulfillment of the marriage. Men, especially the newlyweds, Mr. Jamal, take notes. <laughs> if your wife looks at you and slowly and calmly says what? Don't be fooled into believing that she didn't hear what you just said. No. 
It's your given opportunity to take back the stupidity you just said to her. Right? I got it. <laughs> yeah, been there. You know, I learned, been there. Beloved, we need to start replacing our head knowledge with biblical knowledge. A while back I was once told the longest walk in life is from your head to your heart. At the time, that statement made no sense. But as I slowly surrendered my life to God, it made perfect sense. Beloved, it takes a heart change to see a true life change. For once we accept his show into our heart, God will facilitate our growth in him to become who he created us to be. We are all longing for a better tomorrow, but we refuse to disturb today. Let me assure you this. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm only human. But I challenge you to read the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to permeate every single fiber in you and then take God's word for it because he cannot lie. Beloved, let's put back the fear of God into our daily life. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, which is an elusive concept. Let me tell you this. God's plan for you have never changed. Yes, we all have plans for our life. But sometimes our plans don't line up with God's plan for us. None of us are here by accident. We all are here by appointment. Because God is the creator of our life. He ordered our life for his fulfillment, not ours. Beloved, he is calling every single one of us. The question, however, is, are we willing to give up our friends, our worldly habits, or even our worldly possessions, and totally surrender in a in obedience to him. For true obedience is meant to be purposeful. Hence the reason why we need to be authentic with our daily struggles. We sometimes don't realize that we've got the cart before the horse. That's why we're stuck going nowhere. You see, we hold our friends, our habits, and our possessions in our heart and God in our hand. You know, this world is so far gone that we enjoy living a life where nothing is absolute. We continue to lay down in our own vomit day in, day out. Sadly, such attitude has suddenly become the norm of today. We have gone from prayer warriors to spoon-fed believers. There was a time when prayers was the weapon of choice for mass destruction. Not anymore. We have replaced it with guns and so-called modern technology. In Acts 12, verse 5 through 10, it tells us that Simon Peter walked out of prison through prayers offered up on his behalf. You see, prayers are our personal connection between God and us. Beloved, heaven is the only place that is yet to be under construction or under new management. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All he asks is that you surrender. Surrender it all to him and obey Torah. I believe most of us disobey, not because it's hard to obey, 
But because we get discouraged, thereby making it easier to disobey. Beloved, I want to share with you an event in my life. Like I said, I did not always live the life I'm living now. And please bear with me. It's seven years since I have accepted Yeshua into my life. And like I said, it's a whole long story that if it's God's will, he will put it on. He will allow me to share it with you. But at the time, I was living a dangerous, reckless, disobedient life. At the time, I worked at an auto parts store. And um, let me just warn you, um, it's a little graphic. And also, I'm not telling you it's for anyone to feel sorry. It's just that God has put that on my heart and in needs to be shared with you. I worked at an auto parts store. We live, my wife and I, we lived out in New York. And um, every Fridays, I would have to close the store. We had two stores on the block. The uh, owners of the stores were Jews, and so they would leave about one o'clock so that they could go and get ready for, um, for um, Shabbat. So they entrusted me to close the stores. I would close one at the bottom of the street and then walk up the block, in fact, drive up the block and close the second. And for five years I did that and everything was normal until one Friday, I closed the first one like I usually do, and as I was closing the door, I went, I locked up the store, I went to the other store, and I let all the employees out, and as I'm stepping in to lock the door behind me so that I could go tailor to the cash and all that other stuff, paperwork, someone stuck their foot in between the door. When I look, it was three guys. They had free guns. And they said to me, get in. I got in. They locked the door. The first thing that struck me, I didn't know them. Yet they called me by my name. I didn't have a name tag. They said, Whitley, take us to the cash register. I did. I gave them everything. And then they said to me, Whitley, take us in the office to the safe. Right there, I knew. I mean, I don't know you guys, but yet you guys have so much information. So I did. I took them to the safe. I'll fast forward the whole thing, give them all the money. And as if that wasn't enough, the store had a basement. They took me to the basement. And for about half an hour, it seemed like six days, three guys tortured me. They beat the daylight out of me. They kicked me. They took the guns, bust up my head, did everything you could think of. And as if that wasn't enough, they took me. And in for those of you that know a basement, it has uh, beam structures to hold up the building. They tied my foot and my hands above my head as tight as they could. So tight that my veins were bulging out because my blood couldn't circulate. I stood there while they continued torturing me drinking my own blood as my blood just came down my face, drinking my blood. And I guess when they felt it was enough, they turned around to leave, but one of them stayed back. He took the gun. He told me, open your mouth. Put the gun in my mouth. But I guess as he was about to pull the trigger, whatever was going through his mind, 
one of the other guys came back and grabbed him and said, he's going to die anyway. Just leave him. He's going to die. And he left me. And beloved, for about 10, 15 minutes, I stayed there, tied, watching myself dying. My whole life flashed before me. I just had my first son. He probably was about just a little over a year. And I'm thinking, I won't get to see my son. I won't get to see my wife. But like I said, I lived a disobedient life, a reckless life, a dangerous life. But for some reason, out of the pits of my heart, I got the strength and I said, Lord, if you are real, show your face. Beloved, immediately, the rope that had tied my hands so tight loosened. There was no one in the room. Loosen. I slide my hand out of it, untie my foot, and I, want, I went to call 911. I wish I could stand there and tell you guys, at that moment, I gave my life to Christ. I wish I could. I didn't. Like the Israelites, that wasn't enough. I went back to my same old ways. The same old life. After God had just showed himself that wasn't enough. Beloved, let me sum it all with Luke 6, 46, and I quote, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? End quote. In other words, why are we a disobedient and ungrateful people? Why? Beloved, I may not know your struggles, your pain, what you're going through, what relationship you want to jump out of because the pain is so severe, or what you want God to do in your life. But if it's any consolation to you, let me say this. Sometimes sickness, pain, or our everyday struggles are not meant for suffering, but it's a balance for blessings. Throughout scripture, we read countless examples of individuals having to endure tremendous pain and suffering so much so that Job's wife told him to curse God and be done with it. But instead, they all showed their faith by the way they endured their pain. For as crazy as this may sound, suffering sometimes a great opportunity for the birth of faith. Please realize something. God doesn't answer our requests because he knows they will not be good for us sometimes. One thing I'm yet to understand, it takes us 20 years to get ourselves into whatever mess we're in. But we get upset when God takes one day to get us out. Beloved, you could choose to remain a skeptic and deny God. That's on you. But this Bible was given as God's spoken word to us and a blueprint as to how 
to live our life. Sometimes we think the worst thing that can happen to us is losing our eyesight. In reality, the worst thing is really losing our vision of God. Beloved, there is nothing in your past that God cannot redeem if you surrender it to him. For I can assure you that whatever you're holding on to, if you set it loose, God will see you through. Likewise, if you're tired of running and searching, stop and wherever Thanks. I'm sorry. And wherever you are, genuinely say, Lord, here I am. A famous reggae artist from Jamaica, Bob Marley, he said, He who feels it knows it. And if you have never walked in my shoes, don't be quick. To pass judgment. Beloved, he sure has walked in our shoes. Just like the story of the woman who was caught in the act and brought before his sure. Did he condemn her? No, he didn't. Instead, he gave her a clean slate, a new beginning. Most of us are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. The highlight of the story is not the son coming back to his father. But the father, upon seeing his son at a distance, runs out to meet him. Looking at me, one may think, I've always had it all put together. No, I didn't. Like I said seven years ago, I live a dangerous, reckless, and disobedient life. And as a result, I found myself in a dark, lonely place. But God, who is forever, he forever loves, reached out and grabbed me and said to me, Son, your future is better than your past. And my plans for you is greater than your appearance. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. It's just that simple. For such reason, I stand before you asking you, to take an honest inventory of your life and realize that disobedience doesn't serve either God or us in any way. Deuteronomy 11:26 for 28, and I quote, Behold, I said before you today, a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you disobey the commandments of the Lord your God. Beloved, simply coming to synagogue on Shabbat without sincerely wanting to obey Torah doesn't make you a believer anymore then standing in your garage makes you a car. David Zacharias once said, it makes no sense to place a label on an empty jar. Don't be an empty jar. You see, we want to, to be known as believers, but yet there is no Christ in us. I'm not sure where I read this, but I quote, as we honor God, 
God's word. He will honor us. The more we obey, the wiser we become. The more we obey, the more God will bless us. But God will never honor or bless disobedience. Beloved, allow me to end by asking you a personal, heartfelt question. When life leaves you hopeless, who do you turn to? You don't need to answer me. But just think about it. Let's pray. Abba, we stand before you today as the God who is forever faithful and keeps his covenant. We believe that through your faithfulness, you will fulfill your word and make your purpose reign in our life, bringing us into agreement with your word. Enable us to be patient and gain greater understanding of who you are, so we may be quick to hear and slow to judge. Abba Father, we ask that you take full authority over this disobedient spirit within us that have held us captive and has forced us to believe that this life is all you have in stock for us. How about we pray that the enemy will never leave us exposed from the disobedience and the shame from our past mistakes. Instead, we declare total victory in every aspect of our life. In Yeshua's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.